You are listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Um, How many of you are familiar with the phrase, the tip of the iceberg? The tip of the iceberg. You know, this is a metaphor that's meant to point out that whatever we're seeing or experiencing is only a fraction of what's really happening beneath the surface. In fact, it's been said that with an iceberg, typically only about 10% of the iceberg is above the surface of the water and the other 90% is below. Now, when I think about icebergs, I think about the most famous story ever involving an iceberg, the sinking of the Titanic. In fact, last year was the 25th anniversary of James Cameron's epic movie, The Titanic. I'll never forget seeing that movie in the movie theater. My friend Lauren stayed and cried for like a half an hour after the movie. Like, we had to take her to go get counseling after seeing the movie. (laughs) But you know the story, right? On April 14th, 1912, the Titanic, which was billed as an unsinkable ship, collided with an iceberg in the frigid waters of the North Atlantic. And within about three hours, it sank and over 1,500 people lost their lives. One of the most infamous stories in maritime history. And the interesting thing is that the navigators on board the Titanic actually saw the the peak, the tip of the iceberg. But because it was dark and because they couldn't see what was underneath the surface, there was disastrous consequences. And I think our lives are a lot like an iceberg sometimes. Our lives can be a lot like an iceberg. Often, only 10% of what's happening in our lives lies at at the surface, the things that we're aware of, the things that we do, the things that we say, the things that we post on social media, when really there's a lot more going on beneath the surface. And this is certainly true when it comes to our emotions. There's a lot more going on that sometimes we're not even conscious of. And here's the thing. When we don't deal with those, those emotions, those things that lie beneath the surface, they can end up affecting our relationships, can't they? They can end up affecting our relationships. And so we end up moving from friendship to friendship, from church to church, happens all the time, from partner to partner. But here's the problem. Moving from relationship to broken relationship is a lot like switching chairs on the Titanic. It's not getting to the, to the root of the problem. It's not dealing with what's really going on. Because here's the truth. Unprocessed emotions don't die. Unprocessed emotions don't die. They stay alive. They just get buried alive. They're still, they're still there. And if our emotions aren't properly acknowledged and dealt with and processed, what they'll do is they'll find their way to the surface. And often at the most inopportune times, they'll come out of nowhere. Come on, how many of you ever had that experience where you just kind of flew off the handle in anger and you were like, man, I don't even know where that came from. Like you surprised yourself. You scared yourself. Like, whoa. Where'd that come from, right? Or have you ever just like burst into tears and you didn't even know you were sad? Like those emotions just bubble up, up to the surface. That happens to all of us. And the reality is this can happen. And over time, it can have a negative impact on on our relationships. It can impact our relationships in a really dramatic way. And so here's the idea today. When it comes to emotions, if you don't understand what's going on beneath the surface, you run the risk of shipwrecking your relationships. 
Come on, this is so important. We have to get this today. This isn't just touchy-feely stuff. This matters. This matters for the way we relate to the people that we care about the most. If we don't get a handle on what's going on beneath the surface with, with our relations, with our emotions, we will end up running the risk of shipwrecking our relationships. And so to have emotionally healthy relationships, which is what we're after in this series, we, we have to deal with this. We have to do the inner work. We have to, with the help of the Holy Spirit, probe what's going on beneath the surface. We've we got to probe the iceberg. We have to honestly examine our emotions and address them so that we can love the people in our lives well. Because that's what this series is all about, isn't it? It's about loving people well. Let me remind you of our key scripture for this series. It's the great commandment, one of the most famous scriptures in all of the Bible. A scribe once asked Jesus in the gospels, what was the most important commandment? And here's what he said, Mark chapter 12, verses 30 through 31. He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Lean in for a moment here. I know we're reading the scripture every week. I know many of you have been in church for a while and you've heard this before, but Jesus said, this is it. This is the essence of fulfilling all of the commandments in scripture. It all boils down to loving God with everything you have holistically with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. That's it. That, that is the mark. If you're looking for a gauge to measure your, your spiritual growth, there it is. The mark of a growing follower of Jesus Christ is to love God with everything you have and love the people around you as you love yourself. And so that's what we're after in this series. And we're learning some skills every week to help us do that, to have emotionally healthy relationships. And so today we're going to discuss our next relational skill. Are you ready? It's become self-aware. Become self-aware. Okay, so what does that mean? What is this whole idea of becoming self-aware? Well, for the purpose of today's message... Let's define it this way. To be self-aware is simply knowing and understanding your emotions and your motivations. It's to know and understand your emotions, what's going on beneath the surface, including those emotions, and to understand your, your motivations. It's the ability to, to see yourself clearly, to do some reflection, to do what we might even call introspection, where you look within yourself, and, and it's to know your strengths and your weaknesses, and your personality temperament, and your, and, your, and your wiring. It's to understand your emotions and your motivations, why you do what you do. That, that's, really, that's really important. So for example, um, maybe you find yourself angry all the time. Come on, I know in a room this size, there's some people dealing with anger. Maybe you find yourself angry all the time, and it's having a really negative effect on, on your relationships. Let me ask you this question. Have you stopped to figure out why you're angry all the time? See, anger is a surface-level emotion. It's one that we're aware of, but a lot of times we're not aware of what's going on beneath the surface that's causing us to be angry. Or for example, maybe you are a classic workaholic. You find yourself working crazy hours all the time and it pains you to even take a day off. And it's having an effect on the people around you. Oh, people at the workplace, they'll pat you on the back and it seems like you're getting ahead in your career. You're getting ahead in your career, but you're getting behind in the relationships with the people that you love the most. Let me ask this. Have you stopped to ask yourself, what's driving you to do that? See, to ask those questions, getting answers to those questions, that is the work of self-awareness. In fact, Proverbs puts it this way. The wisdom of Proverbs, Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, The purpose of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. This is the work of self-awareness, to, to, with the help of the Holy Spirit, probe our hearts and draw out what's really happening inside of us. And so the more intentional you become about doing this inner work 
of self-awareness, the healthier your relationships are going to be. But let's take a moment, first of all, to talk about some of the obstacles that get in the way of us doing this, okay? Because if this were easy, everybody would be doing it. And the world would be a wonderful place. We'd all be getting along. The birds would be singing. We'd be holding hands, singing Kumbaya. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. It would be great, wouldn't it? But this is not easy. This is difficult. Let me give you some reasons we struggle with self-awareness. Tell me if these resonate with you. Here's the first one. Number one, the fear of what we might discover. I think often we struggle with doing the work of self-awareness because of the fear of what we might discover. I think sometimes we subconsciously tell ourselves, it's just easier to not even go there. It's just easier to not even deal with what's going on beneath the surface. Like, I don't even want to find out what's in there if I start probing around and looking around at what's going on inside of my my heart. And maybe there is some undealt with hurt. That's underneath the surface. Maybe there's some disappointment that you need to name. There's power in naming it. Maybe for some of you, there's some some trauma that you've never dealt with before. And I think sometimes it's scary to even deal with those emotions and to deal with what's motivating us. So, for example, back to um, our, our example of of the whole workaholic thing, and you know when we're so driven and it's and it's hard for us to even take a, a day off. Well, maybe as you begin to probe that question you'll find that you're driven to be a workaholic because you never really had your parents' approval. Maybe some of you men, you never had your father's approval, and that's actually what's driving you to be a workaholic. But that can be a scary thing to deal with what you find out when you start probing your heart. We're talking about some things that that are obstacles for us when it comes to self-awareness. Number two is hardness of heart and sinfulness. We can suppress the truth to the point that our hearts get hardened. That's something we see all throughout Scripture. Sometimes our own pride and sinfulness just keeps us from from being honest with ourselves. In fact, the Apostle Paul said this in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. He said, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment and according with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Paul says, don't look at your life through the lens of, of, of pride. Okay, it's, it's so easy to think more highly of ourselves than, than, than we ought to. But no, no, no. With sober judgment, with humility, take an honest look at yourself because pride can get in the way of you recognizing what's going on with you. And a lot of times it leads to us blaming everybody else instead of dealing with ourselves. Oh, I'll just keep going. Number three, <laughs> number three, one of the obstacles we face is that we've never been given permission to do so. When it comes to doing the work of self-awareness, this inner work, some of us, we've just never been given permission to do so. What do I mean by that? Well, let me speak to the men for just a moment. I know for many of us as men, like this whole idea of probing our emotions and dealing with our feelings, that seems like the least masculine thing to do. How many of you men growing up, you had a lot of permission from the men in your life to, to deal with your feelings, right? No, we were told stuff like, you know, like, man up, suck it up, you're going to be okay, you know? Rub some dirt on it, whatever. Do anything but talk about your feelings. That, we equate that with weakness. And then I know for many of you, um, you, some of us, we come from cultures where it's just not acceptable to talk about this. I know our church is very diverse as I've sat down with many of you and talked about your experiences. Many of you have expressed to me that you came from a culture that just didn't give you permission to go there. And so can I just give you permission today as your pastor? I'm giving you permission that this is something that we need to do, and it's downright spiritual, and this is something your soul needs. The fourth obstacle is this. Sometimes we don't do the work of self-awareness because we spiritualize our feelings away. We spiritualize our feelings away. What does that mean? Well, some of us were taught by well-meaning Christians that our feelings themselves were sinful and wrong. 
Some of us were taught by Christians that, that anger and sadness and, and fear, they're not just emotions, they're actually, they're actually sins to be avoided. In fact, some of you came up in, in Christian circles where we're suppressing your emotions and denying your emotions and saying all the right things and quoting all the right scriptures, like that was enough. And, 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 to, and to deny your feelings actually seems spiritual. It's not good. It's not good. And what it's led to, the result is that many Christians feel like it's unspiritual to even sort out their emotions and, and, and to express their feelings. I've heard well-meaning Christians tell other Christians, um, you don't need medication. You don't need a doctor. All you need is prayer. Now, don't get me wrong. Prayer is important. If you break your arm, I will pray for you. But go see the doctor and get your arm set, Okay. If your emotions or your mental health gets broken, I will pray for you. But please go see a doctor. Please go do something to get help. Can I get an amen, somebody? Come on, Jesus didn't just come to save us as souls. He came to save us as wholes. He wants to touch every part of your life, your heart, your mind, your body, your emotions. Like God wants to touch every aspect of, of your life. And in fact, this whole idea of stuffing our emotions and spiritualizing it away and just saying the right Christianese things, this is the opposite of what we see in the life and the example of Jesus. Jesus didn't stuff his emotions. Jesus didn't explain them away. He experienced them in healthy ways. If you were here last week, we talked about this whole idea of incarnational listening. And we talked about the, 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 the miracle of the incarnation, the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, eternally existent, stepped out of the majesty of heaven and took on flesh and blood. Literally, the incarnation is the infleshing of God. Jesus, the Son of God, walked in our shoes. He experienced what it is to be a human. He experienced the full range of human emotions. In fact, I love what pastors Pete and Jerry Scazzaro, who are the authors of the Emotionally Healthy uh, Relationships Curriculum, they, they said this, Scripture portrays Jesus as one who had intense, raw emotional experiences and was able to express his emotions in unashamed, unembarrassed freedom to others. Wow, that's so powerful. Like Jesus was self-aware. Get this, get this church. Jesus was self-aware. As the son of God, fully human and fully divine, he was probably the most self-aware person who ever walked the face of this earth. Jesus was able to, to feel his emotions and to express them in healthy ways. Let me give you a few examples today that, that I think will encourage you. First of all, Jesus, Jesus felt hang, anger. How many of you are encouraged by that to know that even Jesus felt anger? Oh, my hand is up for you. Even Jesus felt anger. For example, often um, Jesus felt anger in his interaction with the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day. One of the things that, that caused him to get angry is that the religious leaders, they would take the commandments of God and they would add all of these other rules in their interpretation. They would add all these other rules around those commandments to make it even harder for people to follow those commandments. Like they would miss the very heart and the essence of those scriptures and literally make it more difficult for people to follow, to follow God's ways. And so Jesus, that, that got Jesus angry. Let, let's look at an example from Mark chapter three, verses one through five. It says, Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. There was a man who had a crippled hand. It says some of them, this is referring to the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. So here these guys were. Jesus comes into, into the synagogue and, and they're watching Jesus because the idea was you weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath, right? It was a day of rest. And so they wanted to see if Jesus would technically break the Sabbath by healing this man. Look at this, verse 3. It says, Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. 
Then Jesus asked them, he asked the religious leaders, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. So here's Jesus. Jesus goes to the synagogue on the Sabbath and there's a man there who needs, who needs healing. But all, of the, all the Pharisees cared about was to see if Jesus was going to violate their strict interpretation of, of the Sabbath. And they were missing the whole point. Like Jesus, Jesus recognizes that they're missing the whole point with this really bad interpretation of, of the Sabbath. And Jesus gets ticked. Jesus gets ticked off at these guys because their hearts, their hearts were hard. And Jesus allows himself to get angry. I want you to notice this. Jesus allows himself to get angry. He didn't make excuses for his anger. He didn't explain it away. He didn't act polite. He didn't say, oh, I'm the son of God. It's not really good for me to express anger in front of people. No, 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 no. Jesus allowed himself to feel, to feel anger. But what did he do with it? Notice what he does with it. Jesus transforms his anger into an act of healing. He channeled his anger into an act of, 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 of healing. See, anger is simply an emotion. It's simply your body's reaction when your will gets blocked. It's, 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 the problem isn't anger. The problem is what we do with it. It's not that anger in itself is always sinful. It's what we do with it that is so often sinful. It's the way we explode in a fit of rage to other people. It's the way we take our anger out on the person who really has nothing to do with it. Parents, I know so many times we lose our patience with our kids when really what we're angry about has little to do with them. And I'm not pointing fingers at you because I know that so often with me, like when I'm not conscious of my anger, when I haven't done the work of really thinking about what's going on with me and really bringing those things to God in prayer, I know I so often take my anger out on the people closest to me, my own family and friends. Jesus took his anger and he channeled it into an act of healing. Here's the second thing. At other times, Jesus felt sadness. Jesus also felt sadness. I think one of the most powerful stories that illustrates this is the raising of of Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. Many of you know the story. Let me introduce it to some of you. So Jesus had some really good friends, Lazarus, and he had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And Jesus got word that Lazarus was really sick. And before Jesus could get to Lazarus, he dies. He passes away from the sickness. And so Jesus gets there. And of course, when he gets on the scene, there's grief and there's people just disappointed and hurting and just grieving the loss of Lazarus. And and when Jesus has this interaction with Mary, the sister of Lazarus, and it's, of course, filled with pain and disappointment. And here's what she says to, to Jesus in John chapter 11, verse 32. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And to me, Jesus's response in this moment is always fascinating. Because if you know the story, you know what's about to happen. Like Jesus is about to actually raise Lazarus from the dead to demonstrate the power of God, to demonstrate the kingdom of God. He knows that their mourning is about to be turned into dancing. Like all of this grieving and heaviness is about to be transformed into celebration. Yet, how does Jesus respond to Mary? Well, John records it with just two words, the shortest verse in the whole Bible, John 11, 35. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus allows himself to enter into Mary's pain. Think about that for just a moment. 
even knowing what he knew, he allowed himself to go there. He was willing to feel those feelings. He was willing to enter into her pain. He was even willing to openly display that grief with tears in his eyes. And I think so often when it comes to sadness, we run away from it. We don't want to feel it. We, we find ways to, to avoid it. We don't talk about it. We tell people we're okay. We busy ourselves. We, we entertain ourselves. But church, lean in for a moment and get this. Jesus wept. Like Jesus, the son of God, allowed himself to feel pain, allowed himself to enter into someone else's pain. And he expressed that grief even with public tears. And he processed it in a healthy way. Jesus felt anger. Jesus felt sadness. And did you know that Jesus, even Jesus himself, experienced fear? That ought to encourage everybody in this place. Even Jesus in his humanity experienced fear. In fact, the story I think of is the night that Jesus was betrayed when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing he was about to go to the cross. Jesus, who was fully divine, but also fully human. To me, I think this is probably the story that displays Jesus' humanity the most because Jesus knew he was about to face the cross. Like Jesus knew he was about to experience like excruciating pain and and there was fear in, in his heart. And he begins to pray this in Luke 22, verse 41 and 44. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Look at verse 44. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. Like Jesus experienced fear. And none of us are going to experience what Jesus experienced in going to the cross and taking on the sins of the world. But we all know in this life, there are plenty of things that we experience that cause us to, to fear, that cause us to worry, that cause us to experience anxiety. And so often we, we deal with those things in unhealthy ways. So often we find ways to avoid our fear, to, to numb the pain of that fear. And so what do we find ourselves doing? We find ourselves doing things like drinking too much, overeating, workaholism, binge watching to the point that we just get numb. But what do we see in Jesus? Jesus didn't deny his fear. He didn't suppress his fear. What did he do? He went to God and he opened his heart to God the Father and he cried out in the midst of his pain. Come on, I wonder how it would change us to take our fear to our loving God and open up about it instead of explaining it away, instead of suppressing it, just go to our good, loving, heavenly Father and just pray it all out to him because that's what Jesus did. Here's the point, church. I want you to get this today. Like this is downright spiritual. Like for some of us, we tend to put this emotional stuff in the category, oh, this is touchy-feely. This is nice. This is psychology. Let's get to the real spirituality. No, no, no. Look at the example of Jesus himself, fully God, fully human. He had a way of expressing his emotions. He had a way of dealing with his emotions in healthy ways. And even in one example that we looked at in a way that transformed his emotions into an act of healing. In fact, I would say even his fear was transformed into an act of healing because as he vented his fear to God the Father, he was able to submit himself to God's will. And we know on the other side of the cross is the healing of the world. Because he took his fear to God the Father, it was transformed into healing for the world. Jesus had a full sense of of who he was, what he was feeling, and he could express those emotions. And so here's the point. As followers of Jesus Christ, we want to be like Jesus, don't we? Come on, how many of you know the goal for us as Christians is to follow Jesus? And so we too have to become self-aware. Growing in emotional health is is growing spiritually. Growing in emotional health is growing spiritually because you can quote all the scriptures, you can sing all the songs, you can have all the Christian bumper stickers, but if you can't do this, 
That's not growing spiritually. It will inhibit your, your ability to love people fully. And that is the mark of a growing follower of Jesus Christ. So this is, this is completely spiritual. Now, understand what I'm not saying is that we're going to become self-absorbed in our emotions, okay? We're going to be so aware of our emotions that we can't get out of bed in, our morning, uh, in the morning and just lay around. That's, that's not the point. The point is to allow Jesus to heal every aspect of our lives. Come on, he wants into our hearts, not just spiritually, but he wants to, he wants to inhabit our, our emotions. He wants to do some work on the in, inside of us. And I really believe as we open ourselves up to God, as we open ourselves up to, to the Holy Spirit, he's going to show us the things that need to be dealt with. Come on, he's going to bring healing where we need healing. He's going to bring clarity where we need clarity, where things have been really, really cloudy. Come on, he, he's going to help us live into the person that God created us to be, fully redeemed by, by his grace. And so let me just give you some practical steps today. I want to help you activate this, okay? If you haven't started taking notes yet, this is a good opportunity to start taking notes. I want to give you a few practical things that you can do to embrace self Awareness. We're going to cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit, but there are some things that we can do to activate this. Here's the first one. Number one, I want to encourage you to practice silence and solitude. To practice silence in solitude. It's amazing what happens when we get alone and we get quiet and we get into the presence of God. I think many of us have no idea what's going on beneath the surface in our lives because there's just too much noise, too much busyness. We, we, we wouldn't, we wouldn't know because there's too, there's too much commotion in our lives and we need to turn our phones off and just get quiet for a few minutes and be still so we can actually deal with our emotions. I think some of us have been running for way too long. And one of the number one things we can do to get self-aware is just to practice the spiritual discipline of silence and solitude. I know what happens for me. And I get out on prayer walks and I just get by my, myself and I begin by the help of the Holy Spirit to become aware of what's going on inside of me. Here's the second thing, number two, really practical. I would encourage you to use personality assessments. One of the things we do with our leaders here at Redemption is, is we really encourage people to kind of know their, their personality wiring. So if you've been through Growth Track before, you know in session two, we do the disc profile because we want to help you discover how God has wired you so you can serve in a fulfilling way. So the disc profile is great and go to session two of Growth Track if you haven't been yet. The Enneagrams are really popular one these days that is really good to help you kind of learn your, your motivations. Um, a few years ago, we did a series called I Said This. You heard that. How many of you remember that series? Yeah, that remains to this day one of the most popular series we've ever done because there were so many light bulbs going on. Like people feel like, that's why I do what I do, right? Like that's why you do what you do. And so it was a whole series that, that was about learning your personality wiring so that we can better relate to the people in our lives that we love. And it's based on the four classic Greek temperaments. And so in fact, if you go to our website, redemptioncommunitychurch.org slash resources. If you scroll down, you can find some of the resources there from I Said This, You Heard That. And there's even a free uh, personality temperament test that you can take. There's a paid version too if you really want to uh, kind of go all out. But there's a free one there that you can take to help you better understand how you're wired. Let me just tell you, this stuff is really helpful. This, is, this has helped Amy and I tremendously in our relationship to understand how God made us. Here's the third thing. Number three, I would encourage you to start journaling. Start journaling. We're just getting practical here today. We want to activate this whole thing of self-awareness. Journaling is a great way to, dis to, to record what you discover as you take time to do some self-reflection, okay? Uh, so I've, I haven't always been a really good journaler, but I take notes in my phone. And over the years, I'm able to go back and read things that I've learned, 
things that God has shown me as I've processed, as I've prayed, as I've done the work of self-awareness. I'm able to kind of have a record of that journey and it helps me make sense of where I am right now. I'm so thankful for the times that I stopped to write some things down. Let me give you two questions. If you don't know where to start for journaling, really, really powerful questions that'll help you out to do the work of self-awareness. Here's the first one. How am I feeling right now? And here's the second one. Why do I feel this way? If you need two questions to journal, just write these down. They're powerful questions. What am I feeling right now? How am I feeling right now? And why do I feel this way? See, the second question is the one that helps you begin to get beneath the surface and get a couple layers down. Why do I feel this way? Little bonus tip, keep asking the question why until you get to the root cause of why you're feeling what you're feeling. And so you can start there. As you journal, just write down those two questions. It's amazing how that will help you out. Number four, I would encourage you to process with a friend or a counselor as you begin to discover some of these feelings. And I really want to encourage you to to, to process with someone else and preferably another believer, a brother or sister in Christ, somebody you're friends with here at church. I'm so glad that so many of you are in life group. Maybe this week is in your life group discussions. You want to partner up guys with guys, girls with girls and say, hey, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm feeling. As As I prayed this week, I begin to realize that I'm experiencing this. Would you pray for me? And let me help you out. If you're the friend on the, on the other end of that, you don't have to have all the answers. Let me encourage you to just listen. And you might even want to say, I'm sorry that you're feeling that right now. Or I'm so glad you made that discovery. Or in some cases, you might even say, I've been there before. I know exactly what you're going through. And just offer to pray for them. That'll bring more healing to somebody. You have no idea how just talking to somebody, the difference it'll make in your life. Now, some of you need to process with a counselor. Some of you, there is some undealt with trauma in, in your life. And you need something a little bit more than a friend. You need a, you need a professional Christian counselor. We would love to help you with that. If you go on our website to ministries, just find pastoral care. It's not hard to find. Go to ministries on our website, pastoral care, and there's a form where you can fill out. We work with a really great Christian counseling organization, a local organization here. We'll get you connected with a Christian counselor. If you're that friend and somebody comes to you and they bring something that you know is like above your pay grade, like you might want to be the, 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 the friend to remind them, hey, go, go to the website. And our staff, our pastors will come alongside of you, pray with you, and we'll help you get connected with a Christian counselor. So you need to do that. Number five is this, pray, pray. We know it, but we need to hear it. See, I know for many of you, this whole thing of self-awareness, it's really unnatural for you. It's really hard for you. Sometimes you might say, Pastor, I've tried to do that before and I really have trouble like sorting out what I'm feeling. It's hard for me to even find the language to express what I'm feeling. Let me tell you something. It's amazing what happens when you get into the presence of God, how the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal things to you. Come on, when you go to the God who made you, the God who knows everything about you, the God who wired you, the God who created the instruction manual, he's able to fix things in you that you don't even understand. He knows everything about you. It's amazing what happens when you get in the presence of God. He can, he can reveal things to you. He can begin to heal things in you. He knows how to fix what you didn't even know was broken. So prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. Allow the Holy Spirit to begin to illuminate some things in, in your life. And that's what happens when we pray. Come on, this, this work of self-awareness, church, it's so important. It's so important. It's downright spiritual. This is about our spiritual growth. When we do the work of self-awareness, we get emotionally healthy. When we do the work of self-awareness, we grow spiritually. When we do the work of, of, of self-awareness, we experience healing in our hearts and healing in our, in our relationships. Come on, when we do the work of self-awareness, we have more grace for other people. 
We stop pointing the fingers at everybody else and we begin to have more grace for people because we understand what's going on on the inside of us. We become, we become more mindful of our, our strengths and our weaknesses. We're able to step into the redeemed version of ourselves that God wants us to be. The version of ourselves that Jesus gave his, his life for. I would say it this way. When, when we live self-aware, we become what I would call emotionally centered emotionally centered. There's a phrase for you to remember. It's kind of like, it's kind of like what happens when a ship gets anchored. Come on, we're going to go back to the whole ship thing. We started that way. We're going to end that way. What happens when a ship gets anchored? It's not able to be moved everywhere by the wind and the waves, is it? It's not blown away. If a, if a ship is anchored, it's rooted, right? It's not going to just move everywhere. The waves can't just send it everywhere. See, I have personal experience with this. I grew up sailing on a, with my dad on a 20-foot fiberglass sailboat down on the Gulf Coast where I grew up. And, and so I have some experience with this. And let's just say that my dad had a bad habit of not checking the weather before we went sailing. And so we've been stuck in some storms before. I'm going to tell you something. You want to have an experience with God? You want to meet Jesus? Go sailing with my dad. You will meet Jesus. You will cry out to him. You will have a personal revival. I've been there before. One time when I was a kid, you guys, if you've been around, you've heard me tell these stories, but one time I was like 10 years old and we got stuck in this storm. You know, we were sailing in and we were wrapping up a great day of sailing when a storm came up and we got stuck in it. And uh, the, the wind was blowing my dad's boat toward the seawall. How many of you know fiberglass sailboat plus concrete seawall is not a good combination? And my dad was tying off all the sails and doing all these things. And I thought for sure he was going to get blown overboard and die. And in the middle of all of it, he forgot to put the anchor down. And I said, 10 years old, I said, dad, put the anchor down. And my dad put the anchor down and it stuck. Now I want that picture to stay in your mind today. This is what happens when we do the work of self-awareness. We become emotionally centered. It doesn't mean all of your problems go away. It doesn't mean all of your weaknesses all of a sudden disappear. It doesn't mean we're not going to experience the wind and the waves of emotions of dealing with, with other people. But, but instead of, of shipwrecking our relationships, what happens is we'll be centered in the presence of God. Come on, the scripture says we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. What happens is when you do the work of self-awareness, you are anchored in the love and the grace and the mercy and the presence of our good God. And it keeps you from being blown all over the place. It keeps you from vomiting up your, your hurt all over other people and hurting people. You're not, you're not rocked by everything that comes into your life. You're, you're centered. Centered in the healing presence of God. Isn't that what we want? That's what we want. Come on, would you stand with me this morning? We're going to pray into that. We're going to just take a few moments this morning in the presence of God to be still. In just a moment, we're going to sing another song. But let's just take a moment to still our hearts before God, to do some self reflection today to receive his healing into our lives. Would you just pray with me? Jesus, we thank you today for your example. We thank you that you walked in our shoes, that you came to this earth, that you experienced every emotion that, that we experience. And you showed us what it looks like to do it in a healthy way, even to bring healing to others. And God, we're asking you to give us courage today to look beneath the surface. Some of you need to pray that prayer. God, give me, give me courage. Give me courage to to look down beneath the surface and see what's going on in my heart. Come on, can I just encourage you to take a moment to do that right now? To ask yourself, what am I feeling and why? What am I feeling and why? 
And some of you, as you, as you ask that question, you're going to recognize that there's hurt, there's disappointment, there's pain, there's anger, there's, there's fear. And now let's begin to invite God into those emotions. Would you do that right now? Just make that personal. God, we invite you into the middle of what we're feeling, into our hearts, right smack in the middle of those emotions. Father, today I pray healing over your people. You're healing hearts in this place today. We receive your, your healing. Father, I pray for clarity for those where there hasn't been clarity in what they're feeling, where it's been cloudy, that you make it clear to them. Father, I'm praying for strength for those who need to be strengthened today. God, I'm speaking peace over people who need peace over their hearts today. God, I'm speaking transformation. God, we thank you that you can take the good, the bad, the ugly, the hurts, that you are the God who's able to work all things together for the good of those who love you, who are called according to your purpose. And Lord, today, Lord, we ask you to forgive us for the times that our undealt with emotions have spilled over and hurt the people that we love the most. God, we're asking you to forgive us of that. And God, I thank you that your grace is sufficient. The Lord, today you're covering us by your grace. And we're not just forgiven, but we're transformed. We're new creations in Christ Jesus. You can heal our hearts. You can transform us. You can touch the place that has been our weakness, and it can become the place of our testimony. And we can be centered, anchored, anchored in your healing presence. We receive it today. If you receive it and you believe it, would you say amen? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.